0: Custom Inc. can help you recognize employees, show customer appreciation, and outfit your teams with your favorite products and brands customized with your logo. At custominc.com, you can easily make your mark on all sorts of products, including water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and so much more. Make Custom Inc. your go-to business partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't, all backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to custominc.com to get started today. Okay, okay, this is uh, Jim the keys bartender. I'm back. And that okay, okay was me telling myself everything's okay. Not that anything bad happened. I just, I'm getting shit done today. It's my day off. It was great. It's great so far. Made it to the gym. Didn't have any, didn't really eat little bits of food today. I'm not trying to lose weight. I just don't eat as much as I used to. I'm going to have a huge dinner though tonight. That's how I treat myself. And a big dessert. But uh, I had things to do with the car. I had to reissue, um, research a application for a state-issued identification, which I won't go into too in-depth. But I had a problem the first time, and now it seems to be re- replicating itself. Whenever I go to the website, I have a hard time progressing. And it looks like I filled in all the the spaces but i guess i have to do something a little different and i'll find out a little later what that is and when yesterday i started to myself as, 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 as uh, the keys bartender at wkbs WKBS, K- kbbs wkbbs is that okay keys bartender that's five letters you can't have five letters Keys, bartender, shit. So, WKBS. For the BBS, that'd be five letters. No one has five letters, right? I can say it because we're not on public airwaves. There could be a W. I'm sure there's a WKBS. It's probably in Kenosha or something like that. Kenosha doesn't have a B in it. But I'm sure there is one out there. And I apologize. I apologize for what I... I've said disparaging your call letters, but there's there's all sorts of there's got to be multiple ones, right there's thousands of radio stations out there. I don't know, so some of the things I did today um the wife's car had a headlamp out, and it was a bulb, and it's on one of these Chevys, and you got the battery right against the headlamp and the headlamp is assembly now it used to be years ago when i was a kid when i was a kid they used to have a candle in there or you know you act like it's flintstones. stuff no it was a whole a headlight would come out it was high beam low beam and one big bulb you put in there now they have the little light going inside the assembly and they sell the assemblies you know you, you could replace the whole assembly, but why cha- replace the whole assembly if it's just a bulb, right? And then you got three different grades of light bulbs to put in. And I went to the store. I, first, I first what I do is I Google how hard is it to change. Well, how do you change a headlamp bulb in a Chevy Equinox in the year? And what happens is they give you a video and they show this woman and it looks deceptively easy when they do it. And it was. In this case, it was easy. As easy, if not easier, than what they said. And I thought I screwed it up. Because there's no way it could have been that easy. You know, you, It looked like I had to remove the battery in order to get to the bowl. But what it, you had to do was just turn the wheels all the way to the right to get in the left side. And then the assemblies right there. For one, you know, for one of the things, man, that is just weird. They make it easy. it really easy. Matter of fact, they go through an access cover. And then there's a, another access cover. You turn counterclockwise. You know, you take a little screw out of the first access cover. and then, But it's all twist and remove, twist and remove, counterclockwise. And then you have a bulb. Now, I didn't realize... That you need gloves. I saw the person using gloves when they're putting on it. They always use gloves. I wonder why that, the case for that. They said with hal- halogen bulbs, I guess uh, the oil on your hands does something to it. So they said, or maybe it's bad for your hands. Who knows? It's either bad for the bulb or bad for your hands. Either way, I'm good with the bulb or at least they use a the towel. And I'm not that adept, so I would use the glove. You know, those rubber surgical gloves. But it took, once I got the screw out, and once I did it, I, I was ready. It was so deceptively easy, I was almost stopped and went back to YouTube and said, no way. And then put it back in, uh, snapped it into the, the assembly, put the covers on. And it's uh, one of the few times something I did worked the first time. I'd have to say one a few times. Ma- majority of the time when I do it, it does work out. When it's apparent that that's the problem. You know, some things are kind of shaky. You don't know what it is. That's why it's nice to have a diagnostic tool when you you have a warning light come on. You can just go to one of these car places and you ask for an ODB. Uh, I don't even know what that stands for. You just plug it in. You get the code. You can Google the code, find out what it is. I've done it on other cars. I've done it on this. I had this 1996 Sebring convertible, and it was just going flat when I nailed the gas. When I really pressed down on the gas, it was just kind of flood the engine for some reason, and I just couldn't figure out. It just kind of real puts out. So uh, I saw I had taken it to a couple dealerships, not. Being smart enough to go and get this, um, get a diagnostic tool and check it myself. And finally, when it happened, I said, shit, I'm going to find out what it is. These guys aren't going to get a couple hundred bucks from me again. And I went there. It was a $50 piece of, um, it was an atmospheric pressure sensor. I think that's what it was called. It took me all of five minutes to put it in. And it worked like a charm afterwards. So after that, I always diagnose what's on the car first to see if I can fix it. If it's brakes and all that shit. I, I mean, some people can do brakes. I can't do brakes. I don't do oil changes. I don't do brakes. I know a lot of people do their own oil changes. I'm not that confident or ambitious, but I'm good with light bulbs and fuses and some electronics, batteries, resetting shit like that. But when you go into one of these car supply places, they can almost smell that you don't know what you're doing. I went in and during a a YouTube video said get an H11 bulb and I got an H11 and I walked up and asked, hey, does this work in this model year of this car? And they go, yeah. And he says, oh, this is going to be bright. You got the good one. Because they started at 19 and went up to uh, like 18, 20, and twenty five. So I went and got twenty five was for my wife's car. So and he says, you know, they don't they only put the basic ones in their cars. So this one's gonna be brighter. I said, Does it violate any laws having too bright a headlight? I mean, it's not like you're gonna be flooding like those new goddamn lights that people have that blind you each time. Huh, another call. I know, it's so funny. I look at it, you know. Oh, this is the person. Okay, okay. So, this is the person. Like, you know what I'm talking about. I had gotten a call, remember, in a previous episode, and I didn't pick it up. And it turned out they left a message, and they sent me a text message. And they uh, wanted me to do a signing. But they want me to bring a witness to the signing. So I'm gonna to get to that in a moment. But I'm gonna finish. So I go into the supply the auto supply place. And I ask the guy, an older man, he said, does it work? He said, Yeah it does. It's gonna be a little bright, blah, blah, blah. But they almost know. He says, So you know what and then he says to me, Hey, you gotta wear a glove when you put in a, when you put in a hal- halogen bowl. You know that, right? And they go, I do now. Because I just thought they were using it, so they wanted to keep their hands clean. But it turns out there's a reason why they use the gloves. Mm. It's funny. I didn't know. I didn't know that. Now I know. I'm glad that guy helped me. I'm not too. I'm not too proud about that. But I think I have a modicum of understanding. Oh, as a kid, I used to rebuild my distributor cap and do all this different shit. Did did the timing belt? or replace belts and all that shit and, and hoses, fenders. But nowadays, you know, it's so complicated. You got to really use the diagnostic tool and then you got to... I mean, I bet a lot of the mechanics when they get a car and stuff like that, they got to take. Hey, yeah, I got to take 10 minutes and look at this YouTube video, see what I got to do next. Right? Because they're all different. There's so many different... There's so many different cars. That's why electric cars are going to be so, you know, just change mechanics. It's going to change the nature of it. I can see why... They may not want it because there's really you know anybody can replace if you make it easy enough, almost anybody can replace a fuse or a light bulb or anything like that. But you don't want to violate your warranty. But I feel a little, little man- manlier when I do something like that. On to the next thing, the call I got. You heard I got this signing. You know I do I'm a notary. And they do these loan signings. And they need a notary. They figured it'd knock two kill two birds with one stone. So you gotta get a sign, you gotta get it notarized, you don't bring two people. You just get a notary who knows how to do a presentation of a large loan document. Right? There's some of these loan documents are a couple hundred pages long. And some of them have like, you know, twenty twenty signatures, and you gotta notarize them and all that stuff. So with the advent of the uh, con, you know, the online applications, a lot of these places have loan signing services, they call them. And notaries sign up for them, and they send them jobs. And what someone does is they say, we got $250 for this job, you pay, you get a notary for me. And they'll offer, I don't know what they take out of it. They may take 50 they may take 75 but the prices are kind of low. You know, it's just like anything on the internet. It's like an Uber driver doesn't make as much as a taxi driver because Uber has to get its cut. And I realize they got to make a profit. I realize they have liability and things like that. And they provide certain services and stuff like that, like marketing and all that stuff. And there, you know, a lot of times people wouldn't be drivers if it wasn't for them. But you have a choice to take the job from them. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm I've been going all day, so I mean, I did the podcast and earlier live podcast. Now I'm doing this. So I get these jobs, and some of them could be. It says Key Largo. I would say, is it Key Largo? Is it is it in uh, Ocean Reef? And you go, why? Why do you ask if it's an Ocean Reef? Because it takes me a half hour to get up there, and a half hour back, and sometimes you can wait like 10, 15 minutes. To, the gate and the, the speed limit is 15 miles an hour so if it's you know it could take you like uh, 12 minutes to get across this property so all you spend an hour hour and a half driving and it's a pain in the ass so a lot of times people don't want to deal with it because you think you're in the same town it's a small town there's only you know nine, ten thousand thousand people here Thinking, how big can it be? Not like Texas. We have a, I mean, there's very few towns like that. This one is long from the beginning, from south to north. It is, what's it around? Mile marker 118, and it goes down to mile marker 97. So it's about 20 miles. For a small town, that is a lot of driving. And you can get stuck. There could be an accident. You could spend hours, hours. So this particular job, it's decent money in town and stuff like that, but they want a witness. They want you to provide a witness. So I have to bring me and someone else. So I'm thinking, and you offer a certain amount of money and the money isn't that great considering it's going to, I mean, travel times an hour and a half if if I had to go to Ocean Reef. And I may have to spend two hours up there, and it's not like they can just take off because anybody that's available eleven o'clock in the morning on a Thursday isn't someone that works, or you know, in, in the restaurant business. You know, they, if someone's working in a restaurant business, they used to make it 300 bucks a day. No you know, they, they're not going to take twenty-five bucks for three hours just sitting around, unless they really want to spend time with you and actually I'm kind of weird that way because I really if someone's that eager to spend time with me to go on a signing I really wouldn't want to spend time with them because that couldn't be fun it's got to be boring as shit I mean sitting there going over loan documents delay it's kind of exciting for me because if I screw up you know especially in one of those big things it's hundreds of thousands of dollars I screw up that's what makes it exciting it's kind of slightly dangerous not devil may care but it is what it is. So it's hard, hard to find someone for that amount of money that's willing to take, you know, say, well, how long is it going to take? I don't know. And if I got to take them miles away, like if I can get them to meet, meet me there and say, listen, I can, I just need you there for 20 minutes to witness the signing and to the, the signatures, whatever needs to be witnessed. And then you could go. And that could be as little as like two or three. I don't know. So. I have to do it. And it's tough to find somebody. It's not like I have someone on stomp- standby. If I was one of those bail bondsmen and stuff like that. You had a uh, bounty hunter. You have them on standby. But they make five hundred, five hundred thousand dollars for each collar. That's not what happens here. So. I'm gonna to have to get off the phone. I mean, i have to get get on the phone and tell them and say, listen, I have a plan and I'm telling them my plan. But these signing services, they try to send me down to Key West and I research a job and it's fifty dollars. Well it takes it takes two to three hours to get down to Key West. Easy. It's a hundred miles away. And you send me traffic, yes, yeah, three hours. And if there's an accident could be any crazy amount of time you want to. It could be five hours. And that's all, your whole day. You're done. You drive 200 miles down here, you're done. It's not like driving 200 miles in, in Nebraska where you go 80 miles an hour. Yeah, you could, you could do that in like two two and a half hours. No problem. But down here, you've got places where you're going 35. When it's traffic jam, you're going 10 miles, five miles an hour. Shit. And people say, well, why wouldn't they know? The people don't realize. Well, they see the Keys and they think, well, how far is it? Down the Key West. So you see, You know those little, you know, no one pays attention to mile markers on the highways anymore except truckers. That's where you tell yourself where where you are on a highway. But down here in the Keys, i reiterating, maybe for the 20th time I've done this, It starts at mile marker 126 when you leave Florida City and get on Overseas Highway and go into the marshes and all that stuff. And it ends at mile marker zero. And zero, mile marker zero is Key West. And you see Key West and you'll see mile and you'll see zero. That's it. It's mile marker zero on Route 1. Now, obviously, it's a couple miles. you got like three miles of Key West when you get in. And go, go into town. But that's significant. I mean, how many places say you send someone 100 miles? Say, well, you got to go there, do something for like an hour, and then you got to fax a bunch of stuff back to us. I'm not bitching. People just don't know the geography. It's an automated, most of it's an automated service. They get a job and they send, they send it out and they send out the bid to all these people. What they should do is send out a bid to people that live in Key West. Or maybe they're hoping that someone's gonna be down there in QS and say, hey, maybe they need fifty dollars. All right. But a lot of people don't don't pick it up and they gotta re I imagine a lot of people wouldn't pick up the bid and they would just have to resubmit with a different price criteria. I don't know. But that that's the stuff doing. It's a better I always enjoy when I'm talking directly to a person this way, to the person that's Doing the hiring, whether it's the title company or, or um, a real estate company that's coordinating it. Because they're the ones paying and there's no one taking money out of it. I mean, if they're taking money out of it, it's money out of their deal. But, but what you do is have people, they go to these services, they pay the services less money. And the services order less offer less money to the signers. I'm not bitching about that because they don't force you to take the job. You don't have to take the job. I mean they could probably stop calling you if you don't take the job, but I mean after a while when you look at it, they gotta realize, wow, you go into Keys, a lot of people they don't people don't take the jobs. You know why? Because it's fucking expensive down here. I'm not trying to keep you coming from coming down here, but it's expensive to live down here. And it takes time to get around. Just because you're in in county and it's kind of a rural county if you think about it, considering Florida it's what, what do we have 60, 70,000 people living in the Keys spread across 100 miles less than a mile wide most of the time some places only a couple hundred uh, yards wide that's inhabited I mean there's places that are only it seemed to be about 100 yards wide that have houses lying in there that's it and it's strung up strung up there so that's it I'm done bitching I'm sorry it was a wonderful day I got that done and I'm probably going to try to do another thing and then get the the cooking done and I'm not much much of a cleaning person I'm so I'm eating too because I didn't get but I'm going to get I'm, I'm getting I love getting shit done I'm a procrastinator that feels great accomplishment in getting things done And hopefully I get that done. I can get that stuff done because my daughter is on her senior trip or whatever, grad night, grad night, graduating from eighth grade. A thing you took for granted. Graduating from eighth grade when I was a kid was, that's the minimum. You have kindergarten graduations, you have eighth grade graduations, uh, high school graduations. I mean, high school graduations. Well, I guess we made a big deal about, well, somewhat a big deal graduating from high school. Which 98% of the people who go to high school graduate. Some take a couple extra years. Some get GEDs, but they end up graduating. Uh, college, I understand college. College graduation. That's a bigger deal. Even then, most people that go to college graduate. Not, you know, depend on what kind of group you're in. You know, if you're partying and stuff like that, you may have a higher rate of dropping out of college. And then I guess the pinnacle is like you get no one has parties for people to get their master's degree or their doctorate. I guess as much as if you become a medical doctor, you don't really need a party because your life's life's a party. Once you get to bill someone a couple thousand dollars for uh, three hours worth of work. It's awesome. Right. No, I'm not bitching about that. They they study really hard. I understand. And you heard in previous shows me talk about nepotism in the medical Fields, because there's a lot of doctors, children of doctors who become doctors, and it should be more merit-based than who who you know. When it comes to doctor, you want someone with skills, right? It brings me to leadership. You ever get that thing when you're going to work, and someone's gotten promoted that you knew really well, you knew at work, and for some reason you'd realize tch, they really don't have the temperament for that. A lot of people uh, some of the places that work they put me in charge and stuff like that but I have I have a horrible temper sometimes. But when I'm in a leadership role I watch my temper. You know? I lose my temper when I'm not in a leadership role. I feel more responsible when I'm in a leadership role. I try to be I guess, magnanimous. But I always, especially when I'm working with people that should know their jobs. When someone doesn't know their job, I, I try to be preemptive. Giving them what's expected today and things like that. When they know their job, I just say, this is what we have to accomplish today. Now get to it, right? And I do my job too. Usually I'm working while I'm asking someone to work and that's the way I always thought like when you lead you lead from the front when I had the when I worked in catering industry and someone had a horrible accident did something horrible in the bathroom I would you know sometimes many times I would be in a a suit or a a tuxedo and I would just change a little put on some you know plastic booties on my feet and some gloves And go in there and say, listen, we got to clean this up. And I'd start it. And I always thought, if you're going to show somebody, you you don't ask them to do it, you say, it's not beneath me to do this job. It's not beneath you to do this job. Get it? Get it. Okay? So any job. Just go and do it, show them how. It's not like telling someone... To do a job. Showing them how to do the job. And show them that you're willing to do the job. It's like officers in the military. Some militaries were very famous for that. Some of them were leading from the back. We have officers that lead from the back. Stay out of harm's way. And shit like that. Now you can still get fragged. And fragging is when the people underneath you say. Hey listen we got guns here. So who knows if a bullet. You know Accidentally. Takes this guy out. But if you're with your your people when they are going into the shit, they have a tendency to admire that. At least that part. You know? Why would you? Why would you listen to someone and said, well, you, you, I hired you to do this job or I am managing you to do this job. That's not my job. So in the restaurant business... Every so often at the end of the night, if the dishwashers particularly got overwhelmed, and this is me as a bartender, I'd go back there and say, do you need a hand? There's something I can do. Do you want me to scrape dishes? or, or?" Um? It's camaraderie. And this is not as a leader. This is as a, com- you know. So when you see you're volunteering doing that, people... You don't wait to be asked. You just do it. You say, oh, this person's getting a little overwhelmed. That's There's nothing, nothing like being supportive. And that's leadership. And so that's charismatic leadership, I think. And it's sadly lacking in a lot of people. Some people like to be leaders for the sake of being leaders. Being on top. It's just like that thing you hear in Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. Well, I'm not saying you have great power as a manager. Stuff like Some people couldn't manage their way out of it. And they, they're, they're, they're opposite of managers or leaders. They're, they just bring you down. And there's technical leaders, people that really know their job well, they really know what to do and say, oh, we have to do this, we have to do that, blah, 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 blah. And they can be pretty good, too, as they take their emotion out and say they know their jobs and say, well, this is what you have to do, blah, 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 and do this, do that. And someone who knows this job really well can be a good leader. But you have to be careful on how you take them, like leading from the front or leading from behind. And leading from behind is what... Kind of like what the Russian soldiers did during World War II. They had a conscript army, and sometimes as the soldiers wouldn't fight, or during World War I, it was more of a thing where the officers had the sidearms, and the sidearms were to shoot the men. In a battle, a sidearm is, is good, you know, because you're riding, you're issuing orders. They didn't carry rifles. When an officer carries a rifle, he says, Because I'm shooting with them. But it's easier also to walk the line and guide people and stuff like that. But they had the sidearm to kind of protect themselves too from the men. It's harder to swing around with a rifle sometimes to shoot somebody. It's easier just pulling it if you're within a couple feet. There was a big thing during the French army and and, and um, the Russian army they would they would shoot the men if they wouldn't come and charge, let's say a trench. No, trench warfare, and he said they just see people dying in droves. And people said, "Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going across there." Well, that's a direct order. You're telling someone that I'm going to die. That's when they sent the young officers, and they said, "I'm leading the charge." And some, and he always ran out of the youngest officers. But like I said, leading from the front, leading from the back, and then there's people that really don't know anything about their jobs, other than. Or the job is at hand. Pretend to know their job's at hand. And pretend to have the experience. To allow them to do the job. And they're the worst. They're the people that are unimaginative. They're not good listeners. They're not good communicators. And it happens a lot in a restaurant. A lot of restaurants. There's, there's a lot of great workers out there. There's a lot less great managers out there. I, I worked with some great managers, really great managers. I've, I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate. But I've heard horror stories. So I have to assume that there's been a lot of bad ones out there. I've had some bad ones. But I have to say the lion's share you know, and totally the people I've worked with. And that's maybe why I took the job. I had a manager who wasn't really cut out for the job. He knew the job. He wasn't much. He didn't, His pers- personal sk- skills weren't. When someone's really that expert in the knowledge of the job, sometimes people think it's a substitute for inter- interpersonal skills, which they don't have. And A lot of people are lacking interpersonal skills. I'm kind of abrupt sometimes. I'm assuming that people can handle it. Say, hey, that wasn't. You know, I try to to alleviate these, uh, you know, people's, put salve on their wounds, soothe the fragile egos. I have a fragile ego when someone comes up and says, hey, that's not, you're not, you didn't handle that really well. Ah, that's the way, that's the way I am. You know, it's hard to be great day in and day out. It really is hard to be great day in and day out. You know, so a friend used to say you have your moments of brilliance and stuff like that. And what you're hoping is that when you have a group of people, you have some people that are having successful days while other people don't have successful days. It's just the way it is. It's a rare few that are always up. And the harder the job, the less it is likely that someone's always up. Just draining. Just draining on everything. I mean, everyone. Everyone's had their bad days. One of the greatest um, athletes all, Tom Brady, had bad games. He's thrown interceptions. He can't be on top all the time. I'm not comparing myself to Tom Brady or anybody really. But I'm just saying you're you're if you're average, it's easier to maintain average. You can you can fake average if you know your your shit. You can just lay back and say, this is average and this is what I'm gonna do because I'm able to do this, and at the end of the day, I'm happy with average. I'm, I'm not so happy with average. I, I like to be above, but the problem is when you do put a poor lot of effort and emotion into a job sometimes you get drained and sometimes you're really not at average sometimes you end up in an argument with someone over something stupid like not wearing a mask when it clearly says wear a mask when you come in the door or someone says something oh I'm wearing a mask yeah but you have to wear it over your face not under your chin and then you say, "Well, I am happy that you know where the, your pants should be on your lower part of your body." That that's you did do that correctly. And then get angry at that. Who knows. They don't like to be condescended to. Don't think if you don't want to be condescended to, don't do something stupid. I do stupid things all the time. Oh, case in point. I went to get my hair cut today. This was great. I think it was great. I'm watching. I'm listening. To, I listen to podcasts, and one of my favorite ones is This American Life on NPR. It's an assortment of stories. They have a theme. They have a theme, and they send out um, journalists. And this story was, I think they were the the person was doing a parody retelling of the creation myth, the Christian re, uh, creation myth. I, I mean, knew it was a Christian. It was Genesis. They were retelling Genesis, but they gave a lot of personality and question two, a lot, a lot of description and conversation to Adam, Eve. Uh, was what it? What's the other one? The snake and Adam, Eve, and the snake. Mind you. But at one point, I'm walking in. I have my headphones on now. If you're not familiar with he- uh, the wireless headphones, when you turn them off, sometimes if your, your phone will start playing the audio on the uh, phone. So I sit down, and the person that cuts my hair is a Latina, uh, a little younger than me, nice woman, Dolores. I'm sitting there. I sit at the end. She asks me, how am I doing? I'm good. And all of a sudden, my phone pops on to the part I was listening to, This American Life. And This American Life is rarely... A cutting edge story when it comes to like it's not risque, it's not R rated, but I just as I was listening to the they were retelling the uh, retelling of the Adam and Eve and snake story. There, Adam and Eve was about to get it on with uh, Adam was about to get it on with Eve, and he was describing her breast and what their breasts were like and the, the stuff like that. And the guy was saying it pretty much like almost like that online the autopsy thing on hbo if you remember the show autopsy or it, medical examiner or something like that and the person's reading this and it's talking about her breasts felt like they were filled with jelly and her legs smooth legs uh made this sound when they moved together and all this stuff and i'm like holy shit and i'm listening and it's playing loud and there's a woman that just had her i guess she's having her hair color she had this thing she sent in side and there's another woman in the corner hey jim that sounds like you went to a salon no it's a salon barbershop half the people who go in there are men you know it's mainly mainly a barbershop so i'm sitting there and it starts talking about milky breast and all this stuff and i'm like oh shit you rarely out of 100 podcasts do they ever talk about that 100 episodes of this particular podcast where there's over 800 episodes you hear this. And it starts playing it at that point. I'm just sitting there trying to turn it off. And and just looked at him. I said, you know, if I was a younger man, I'd be very embarrassed. But I'm listening to, I was listening to podcasts. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to ignore it. And it sounded like if I was them, I'm thinking, this guy is listening to a book on tape. And they're, he's listening to them have sex. He's listened to a dirty book on Saturday. it wasn't that dirty. He didn't mention his dick, or there was no vagina talk or anything like that in there. So, I let myself and go like this. I could. Have, I used to be the kind of person that would be embarrassed by something like that, and this just happened, a matter of two hours ago, right before I changed the headlamp pole on my wife's car. But I was able to accomplish uh, my haircut without being embarrassed. I didn't have to say anything because it was just a podcast. It was This American Life, so I'm just thinking, well, why? Why would I apologize? To that? Even if the, even if there was a kid there, they didn't say anything, you know. Well, I guess some people are funny about that stuff. But yeah, younger Jim would have been embarrassed by it. I don't know why. At this point, I don't. You know, I'm thinking if you would never heard breast. And that people had sex together, then uh, boo-hoo. I'm not going to lose any sleepover. But they didn't get upset about it. They were fun. They were laughing. And uh, I got my hair cut. And now I'm here. I'm able to do a podcast and talk about it right now. Uh, listen, folks. If you are in Key Largo at Mile Marker 102, check out the Catch Restaurant and Bar. It's Bayside 102, Mile Marker 102, Bayside. And if you do go there, tell them the Keys bartender sent you. It's open every day of the week. It didn't open yesterday. with was an emergency. That That's different. But they have happy hour Monday through Friday, 3.30, 6.30, with great happy hour drinks and some happy hour food. They have a great assortment of seafood and non-seafood dishes. They'll cook your catch. I had someone call the other day, and they said, "Do because of the name of your restaurant... Do you have to bring in your own fish in order to have seafood there? And I said, nah, not necessarily. So I thought that was nice. A nice question. But uh, that was an interesting concept. I don't know how that would work out. Because what would you serve? It was like shitty weather out there and no one had any catch. No one could have any fish to bring in. That'd be something. I mean, you mean a restaurant and say, hey, listen, you bring your own food, we'll cook it for you. That would be... I bet there's... I, well, it's a big world out there. There, there. Mark my word, I will wager that there is one restaurant out there that says, we don't want to worry about heavy-duty refrigeration, but we will cook your food. Bring it in. We have bread... We have drinks. We have some desserts. That think of that. What a concept! And then you don't have to worry about refrigeration or losing anything. But then you have to worry about whether the person's bringing in food that's spoiled or not. But it's not their responsibility, is it? Huh? I mean, you could have salmonella and stuff like that. Control. You'd have to have some kind of waiver someone's going to fucking steal that and they're going to be a billionaire now but hey you know what I give it to you thank you for listening if you like the show please share it with your friends Uh, like us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter this is Jim the Keys bartender at WKBS Keys bartender Keys bullshit there you go and uh, I can't do KK Keys KKK no that, that wouldn't be bad W-K-B-S. It's not a radio, though. But everyone says you have a radio station. I'll talk to you later. Have a great day. Bye.